Hello, this is Leah Parker, and we want to welcome you to Modern Homemakers, a podcast for you to learn more about becoming a wife, mother, woman, and homemaker. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> We're here with Donna. And a few dozen other things. Yes, yes. and today she's going to talk to us about preparing for Easter with everyday objects. Yeah, everyday objects. So I have a question for you. Mm. Is there something in your house that is whatever it really is, mm-hmm. but it reminds you of someone else or another place? I There's a lot of things in my house that remind me of another place or another time, but specifically I have a box near my bed that has little trinkets, a glass ball, a little bird that reminds me of my grandmother's. I have one for each of them. Oh, so, yes. Gosh, that's wonderful. I, I was, my, my mind was going to be so ordinary. I don't think I can even tell you mine now. But what about a piece of jewelry that you wear? And it reminds you. A wedding ring, of course. My husband. Oh, she always has the right answers. <laughs> um, and then I do have some significant pieces of jewelry. Again, for my grandmothers. They were generous with me with their. Um, giving me things to enjoy that they no longer wore or didn't have a use for. So I have a, a tennis bracelet that I turned into a tennis necklace. That wow. I that's a big love. gift. That's a big that gift. A big, that was a very I don't, big I hope my granddaughter's not listening because I, I don't have big gifts like that. Although that's a great idea. We've been talking about that, like doing it early and doing it while while I'm still around. That's, that's very good. Well, I often think about this because... So much of my world is is uh, a memory of someone, probably that has something to do with my age, but more than likely it's because people have been very generous and we have furniture and things from our families, uh, gifts that we've given one another. And so I was thinking about this Easter season. I'd like to make time to talk about the sacrifices, the preparation, the reminders of previous Easter seasons. And we talk about the week of weeks here and the week of week basket that has objects. And in the basket, the objects sit and they remind us money. It's a little plastic bag that reminds us of the money that Judas exchanged for betraying Christ. And dice, a little pair of dice that we know they rolled dice to decide who would get the garment that had not a seam in it, but an on-seam garment. They didn't want to tear it in half. And the fragrance and the figs and a few other ideas. And they remind us of um, our recently finished, reminded me, I should say, of my recently finished podcast on the subject of Home is Holy Ground. And we're just airing those, so you'll get the rest of them. But I started by saying when I took off my shoes Mm -hmm. and the cold of the tile, and I began to think about tangible things that remind me of Jesus. And so we're going to do that today. And the first one is coins, Mm -hmm. coins. We store our coins, we save our coins, we give our coins. We saved over 10,000 pennies. Did you ever hear that story? No. Anissa went, our daughter went to France when she was 14 years old, just about to be 15, by herself on a plane to be an au pair for a missionary couple for the whole summer. And she was decidedly nervous and when I look back she should have been I mean like I, what, I yeah. wonder why we did that but she's very competent and we were at the grocery store and she's, she said mom will you will you forget me while I'm gone it's a long time 
I thought, oh, honey, I can't forget you. Like, But the second time, we were also at the grocery store, and she said it, and I thought, uh-uh, wait, red flag, she means something about this. And I said, well, Anissa, here's what I'm going to do. Every time I get change, every time I see a penny, I'm going to think about you. She was absolutely elated. That was it. That's all she needed. So we started saving pennies. And then when she came back, we told her what we had done. And then we started saving pennies, and we saved 10,000 pennies, wow. of which you could not carry. We were in a perfect box. They had to be dollied out, and the bank wasn't happy to see us. Let me just say that. But we bought her wedding gown with that money. Oh, wow. And so now we're saving pennies for our granddaughter. So maybe you'd like, you could start. It's not too too late for that no. little girl of yours who's not so little. So tangible things. We saved the pennies. Uh, when you look at a coin, what do you think of? Do you look at it and say, this is Abraham Lincoln's face? Or do you think about the coins of the scripture? So today I thought we'd look at a few of those. Knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see what it says. Most of us remember that account. Do you remember that account? The Herodians came and tried to trick Jesus. They asked, is it lawful to pay taxes? Jesus, of course, knew what they were up to and said, give your taxes to your emperor and give God what is God's due. A great account of Jesus reminding us to love the Lord with all. It's not about taxes, is it? It's really about loyalty to our God. Here's another one from the scripture. A coin. Maybe this is my favorite. Uh, the woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, does not sweep out the house, and search completely until she finds it. Why? It was just one lost coin. And yet she swept and she cleaned until she found it because it was important and valuable. And we can be very focused on something lost showing its importance. Or we can be very cavalier about something that's lost. It doesn't mean anything to you. You lose your phone, you become panic-stricken. I have a young friend who told me just today that she lost her little credit card billfold. It has all of her credit cards. And then I said, well, when did you lose it? Thinking she should, a week ago. She said, every day I keep believing it's going to show up. So we can be very focused on something that's lost. That shows its importance. And I love that Jesus is always focused on me, on us, not wanting me to be lost from him, not making choices that separate me from putting him first. Another one about a coin, Jesus looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He is aware of the size of the sacrifice. I have a widow's mite around my neck as I do this podcast. It's a tiny little black thin coin. My husband bought it for me on one of our trips to Israel. And I'm amazed at how little and tiny it is. And yet it was so important to Jesus that he noticed those two being put in. We often tell the story about giving, but perhaps Jesus is seeing how she gave out of her piety and faith. Widows in those days did not have the benefits that widows have in our country today. And not all widows in our country have benefits also. But widows and orphans are often marginalized 
and are the recipients of our offerings. But Jesus knows it. Do you notice how some people are more giving than others? And here's another illustration of an object that tells a story from the scripture. Frankly, I am amazed at how many accounts included coins in the scripture. And the passage is found in John 2.15. Making a whip of cords, Jesus drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured all the coins in the money changers and overturned the tables. I know that's quite a a profound and dramatic scene, and sometimes we use it to say one thing about Christ, and sometimes we use it to say another. I struggled with this as a young woman. Did Jesus mean we should not buy and sell things? No, Jesus did not mean that at all. They were providing a service because the people needed a sacrifice, and that was good, and coins were needed to make the purchase. Well, then what made Jesus so angry? I I searched around until I was finally satisfied. What the sellers were doing was they were taking advantage. Is that true in our world? It's very true in our world. There are too many fees and fake accounts and scams and exploitation. I'll never forget going to my mother's house maybe 10 years before she died, and she said, I want to show you what I have. And she opened up her freezer, and it was full of white packaged pieces of meat. Then she showed me that she had given someone $4,000 for that meat. And I can still think, oh, oh, what a scam. What an exploitation of my older, failing mother. And she was so proud of it. Jesus wants us to earn our coins and use them wisely. I've watched several specials on TV about the financially poor communities that agencies come in and charge exorbitant fees that they know the disenfranchised can go nowhere else to get them and they will have to pay, charging exorbitant numbers of dollars and cents for a loaf of bread for things that would be found anywhere else less expensively. So Jesus looked at the bank account in a different way than I do, and that's why he drove them out. Well, there are a few more coin accounts before I move on to another object. They are the two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from our Father. Jesus never burns out. He is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He knows all, everywhere, all the time. That's who he is. Nothing can fall that he does not know about. One more coin account before I leave the coins for one more subject. They paid Judas 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. Matthew 26, verses 15 and 16. As we approach Easter, and if you're making a basket for the week of weeks, you'll find the coins a great vehicle to tell the story of the betrayal of Judas. I hope you feel as I do, thinking through these places in Scripture about coins. I'm asking Jesus to help me think a bit more about my coins, our family's coins. Sometimes I want to get the coins out of my wallet because they're heavy. And I, I don't think I've paused long enough to think they may be heavy in my purse, but they all add up to our family's financial coins. I'm going to give my I'm going to be 
I am going to do one very simple item that Jesus used to remind me of himself. So there are other things that are common in the scripture. There's bread, certainly, breaking bread, giving bread, rising bread. There's the cross. The obvious ones are not all the place we think of as a Christ. But when you cross over a bridge or you cross a railroad track, or you see someone making the sign of the cross. I had the joy and good pleasure of meeting with a Byzantine scholar. Oh, he was so interesting. He knew so many things I'd never even thought about. And one of the things he did was made the sign of the cross, and he touched his forehead, and then his midsection, and then he went to the right side, and he saw that I noticed it was different, and he said, we Byzantines, I laughed out loud, uh, we start on the right because Christ is at the right hand of the Father, and then he crossed to the other side. Now, it's just a tradition, but it is something that made me think about the cross. And what about shoes? Uh, shoes are all over the scripture. Take off your shoes, Moses. He sent the disciples out with a good pair of sandals and then told them to shake the dust from their sandaled feet if they were not welcome. The welcoming father of the prodigal son put the best ring and the best sandals on his feet. And oh, so many more. John the Baptist who says, I'm not worthy to untie the thong of Jesus. And there are coats and towels and thorns. And one really common one, stones. My husband and I love to hike the trails of Arizona, and we were recently hiking and talking about all the places we had hiked and all the stones we'd picked up. And I was telling him about our grandson who used to hike with me very regularly, and there was a I want to say a short mountain, but from where I stand, there are no short mountains. There are mountains to be climbed, and if I can climb them, they're not short. They're, they're a difficult challenge for me. And Samuel said, we can get up here, Nala. And he started scampering up. He was eight and uh, nine, maybe seven. And I couldn't, I couldn't get up. And then he'd come back and say, are you going to come, Nala? And I, and I couldn't. And so I said to him, Samuel, can we keep trying till I get to the top? And we did. But he'd scamper up those stones. And every time we would leave our hike, he would have in his basketball shorts with elastic waistbands, big pockets. He would have his shorts full of stones that he picked up. I was afraid he would lose his shorts. And David and I, as I've said before, have been to the Holy Land. And the stories that are told about the Holy Land, that if every one person who came to the Holy Land every year for all the years they've been coming to visit the sites, there would still be billions and billions of stones in the Holy Land. That's how the ground is. We hear or read the stories about planting. We understand a little differently what the land looks like. And the last one I want to talk about is oil. Oil. What do you think of first? Well, I was going to ask Leah about this, but I decided that I'm short on time today and I'm not going to. But my first one was olive oil. And you're going to say, oh, I'm Italian, it's olive oil. No, no. Oh, I cook with it. No, no. It's olive oil I use on my hair. My hair? Well, I live in the desert. And when I say the desert is dry, 
the desert is dry. So I take a good quarter of a cup of olive oil and I put it in my hands and I rub it into my hair. I rub it and rub it and rub it on the ends and the middle. Olive oil, just regular olive oil from the kitchen. Then I put a plastic cap on my head and sometimes I use my little heater and voila, my kitchen oil is for another purpose. Now that's my oil story. There are lots of oil stories in the Bible, aren't there? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I'm always so struck with that, that the God of the universe anoints my head with oil, that my cup overflows. And he does, doesn't he? Have you ever been anointed by oil? Have you ever gone to a church that says if you don't take communion, you can just cross your hands across your chest and the pastor will touch your head, maybe make the sign of a cross with oil on your forehead? Maybe your church anoints babies with oil at dedication or baptism or christening. And perhaps you've been to the Holy Land and one of many of the leaders of faith prays over you and makes a small cross on your head as a remembrance of the place in the Holy Lands. Then there's the ten brides who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. I will never forget reading that for the first time. And I thought, oh, I'm the foolish one. And I can promise you, when I was reading that, that's who I would have been. I was rushing around. I didn't think about preparation very much. I, What was next was next. And I could always punt. You know, I could make it work. Oh, it's a big ouch for me. I don't know about you. I don't know if you can imagine that or not. For those of you who know me and know of my work and organization, you might even remember that I lost my keys six times a day and put my dirty dishes in the clothes dryer. Yes, that's all true. And we're going to do some organizational um, lectures very soon this spring. And you can always find uh, Getting More Done in Less Time, which is a three-hour organizational video on our website gather together a few friends who are clutterbugs like you and to get some new organizational tips. Well, these women were being prepared to meet the bride, Jesus. Five showed up with the wine prepared and five showed up with no oil. Their lamps were going to burn out. I traveled with this passage many times before I could get past a couldn't the other five have shared? What about loving one another? Yada, yada, yada. But Jesus gave us to show us that we have a part that we can choose. Be foolish. Don't be ready. Don't be prepared or anticipating or be ready. This can be complicated, but it does not need to be. Jesus offers himself to all. He says, come. And he asks us to watch and wait. He is coming again. Be ready, have your oil, have your lamps prepared to wait for him. And then there's this wonderful passage in Matthew. <clears throat> now, while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. 
Now, I know, I've just told you about pouring oil, olive oil, on my hair, but this is nothing to compare with an alabaster jar of costly, fragrant oil that must have scented the whole space and the whole place. I love Jesus' response to it. I just love it. And I choose this account, I chose this account because it's complicated. The questions were, that was wasteful. A whole body? Couldn't she have done what she wanted to do with less than a whole body bottle? It's kind of the questions we ask at the church, don't we? Should we have a stained glass window or feed the poor? It's a good question because we could feed more people if we don't have the stained glass window. Should we have a savings account or bring it in and send it out? Should we bring an offering to the church? If so, how much? Should you pay your mortgage, rent, or groceries before you give money to the church? These are questions of gargantuan importance, and they are monetary questions. And I don't see too many clear-cut answers, except give yourself to Jesus. Give yourself to others. We call that the great two steps around here, modern homemakers. Give as you feel led. Are you asking him and your tribe for advice? Do you seek wise counsel? I'll never forget uh, at Christmas, our daughter, who had given her dad a tie, and she wanted to give Jesus a tie for his birthday. And I tried to dissuade her. Like, I, I said something about, you know, we'd take it to the church. and not sure. Well, we'll just put it in the offering plate. And the church we went to had those big wood offering plates. So... To this day, I love the pastor who let Anissa bring her box with a tie wrapped up for Christmas and put in the offering plate. There are a lot of stories still told about that box in the counting room. This account mostly, certainly offers many suggestions, but Jesus himself reminds the complainers, she is preparing my body for death, the death he's about to experience, the death we're talking about in these weeks and preparing for Easter. Mm. It's a good time as you prepare for Easter to look at your coins, to think about your coins. Are they a distraction? Do they weigh too much in your purse like I think about them? Are they a reminder of your children or of a trip you're saving for? Are they a reminder that this is your gift from God and that you should use it wisely? We may do this again. I absolutely love my research. Common things that remind me of Christ will be ever, ever more changed in my life, and I hope for you too. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day looking at the common things in your house as remembrances of Christ.